Blog Talk Radio. relationship everything you want it to be? Are you living a fulfilled, passionate life empowered with choices that ignite you to the next level? Good love makes your whole life better. So join America's good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, on a journey to your healthiest life yet. A regular on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, she's appeared on Oprah, Good Morning America, and is featured in countless publications from USA Today to Essence Magazine. The creator of life-changing Get Unstuck Now, Love, Money, and Save a Seminars, she's counseled millions, but today she's here just for you with the hottest topics, guests, and trends. This is Good Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Brenda Wade podcast, and you know that this is the Good Love podcast, and I am your very own Good Love doctor. Now, I need you to do some work tonight, so roll up your sleeves. Here's your first assignment. I want you to think about a really tough question. God forbid this should happen to you, but if you were to find out today that you only had six months to live, what would you do? What would be most important to you in your life if you said, okay, in this six months, I've got to do what is most important to me? What would it be? Just take a moment and reflect on that. What would it be? And I'm guessing it's not going to be related to more material things because we're not taking any of that stuff with us when we leave this planet. So today's guest has some great insights that are going to inspire you to live your life like there's no tomorrow right now. We don't need to wait for some terrible sentence that says, oh, God, I better get into action. We're going to start living that way right now because we're going to be talking tonight to our special guest, Jonathan Robinson, who is a leading wisdom teacher and speaker And he's going to speak about a subject that's on everybody's mind, the pursuit of happiness. And he's going to talk about how you can turn even a traffic jam or a bad day at work into an opportunity. Yeah, think about that. And that's not all. Remember, good love comes in all shapes, colors, sexual expressions. And I want you to ask yourself another tough question. Do you believe it's better for a child to remain in foster care and orphanage or to have a loving family when that loving family could be a same-gender couple? Think about that. Because later on in the show, we're going to be talking with a news-making gay couple that has found happiness through parenting. 
All right. Are you ready to get happy? Because that's our theme tonight. And as always, we're also going to focus on how good love is essential to your greatness, how to identify the negative love patterns that are blocking you from true intimacy and happiness, and how you can break the chains of what happened back then so you're free to experience what is happening right now. Now, we have a mantra for our program. You know the mantra. I want you to do it with me. I want it to be a mantra you take with you everywhere you go, every moment of every day. The mantra is, I am worthy. I want you to say it to yourself. I am worthy. And I am deserving. Say that. I am deserving. And finally, I love me unconditionally. So the mantra is, I am worthy, I am deserving, and I love me unconditionally. Now that is a crucial new thought pattern if you want good love and happiness in your life. And when you believe you're worthy and deserving and lovable, isn't it easier to feel that way about everybody else? Of course it is. All right, let me introduce you to our first guest, Jonathan Robinson. Jonathan is a psychotherapist and a best-selling author of 10 books. He's reached over 250 million people around the world with his message and his work. His books have been translated into, get this, 47 languages. And in addition, he's made numerous appearances on Oprah, CNN, as well as other national shows. You've seen him everywhere because Jonathan has spent the last 35 years studying the most practical, powerful ways for personal and professional development to be yours. He's the author of Find Happiness Now, 50 Shortcuts for Bringing More Love into Your Life. There it is, love and happiness, everybody. Each chapter of this book takes only five minutes to read, Yet, it can lead to a lifetime of happiness and love. His website is www.findinghappiness.com. Welcome, Jonathan. How are you? Well, thank you, Brenda. It's good to be here. I'm doing really well. I'm happy to hear that. And that is our word for the night. It's happiness. So tell us a little about you first, because I'm really curious about how you First of all, became this wisdom teacher. What drove you in this direction? Uh, well, I had a really good teacher named uh, Pain, Depression, and Suffering, which, uh, <laughs> which got me motivated. <laughs> Pain, Depression, and Suffering. All right, so you got kicked in the butt is what you're trying to tell us. Yeah, yeah, that was my first wake-up call. Really, I had my midlife crisis around age 13, I got very depressed and realized that everybody in my family was depressed, and if I didn't do something different, I had a, a long history of depression that was going to follow me. Wow. So how did you approach that? You were 13 years old, and you had this, oh, God, look what's ahead of me by looking around at your family moment. Yeah. What well, you know, uh, I did what I could do, which was I read self-help books, and uh, that started me on the path, and, you know, I read a lot of them, and I saw that most of it was, you know, a bunch of crap, but every now and then I'd come across something that was really useful, you know, an idea or a method, and I started to use them and see what worked and what didn't, and before I knew it, I had a bunch of things that really 
made my relationships better, my life better, my health better, and made me happy. You know, that's an interesting thing you just said, Jonathan, because you had to sift through what you found to find the things that really helped you, but you also just made a link, a link between your health and your happiness. What Mm -hmm. do you notice in that health arena? Because a lot of times, you know, I find people aren't really aware that how we feel has everything to do with our health. Well, everything makes a difference. You know, if your body's feeling good, it's a lot easier to feel good. I have friends that, you know, have pain every day, and even though they're very positive people, it's really hard to feel happy if you, you know, if your body is aching all the time. So that was part of my search. And I I specialize, actually, because I'm kind of lazy, I specialize in things I could do for my health or my relationships or my happiness that took under two minutes a day to do. And that's, you know, because I I realized I wouldn't do stuff that took longer than two minutes a day to do. And eventually (laughs) it ended up being a career because a lot of us, you know, don't have a lot of time. And, And I got you know, on Oprah a bunch of times because my methods were really powerful for me, but they also worked for other people as well. Excellent. Well, we all want to hear more more about those methods. I want to circle back to that point Mm -hmm. about health because my experience is what you said is true, that you can be a positive person and still have illness, but we all know the latest research shows that if you are a positive person who feels good, it does help your body to heal. And then the reverse is true. If you're feeling depressed or you're holding on to a bunch of negative stuff, maybe you haven't gotten to forgiveness on something, it will make you sick. So I just want to put in my plug for how much your work on helping people to achieve happiness will also bring health benefits. You know, there's some interesting studies that show that happy people live nine years longer than unhappy people and have half the rate of sick days. So that's why corporations will hire me as a speaker because they want their employees to be happy so they don't have to pay so much in sick leave. Oh, my God. That's funny. (laughs) I love it. So tell us a little bit about the methods that started to work for you, Jonathan. What did you discover on your search? Well, first thing I discovered is that anything that took longer than two minutes a day, I probably wouldn't use. And the best methods were things that I could do in 30 seconds or less. So that was helpful because I realized, you know, you got you to gotta go from where you are. And, and I started to search on those methods and found that there's actually a lot of methods that science shows really do have an amazing impact in under two minutes a day. I'll, I'll, throughout our interview, I'll give some, but let me just give a couple right now. Great. And, Everybody and, get out your pen and paper and write these down, things you can do in under two minutes. You know you want it. <laughs> and, you know, some of them have been shown to increase happiness more ten times more than antidepressant pills, which Ooh. is incredibly powerful. Yes, and that unfortunately, is. people don't know this stuff. Wow. Okay, enlighten us. Enlighten okay. us. Give us a couple things we can do in under two minutes. We're all counting. The one thing is you can simply schedule something to do this week with a person that will make you happy. 
just schedule it, put it in your calendar. What we schedule, we tend to do. And people only schedule their work. They don't always schedule the things that are most meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. So get out of your calendar and schedule something, a walk with a friend, uh, maybe a walk with your dog, maybe uh, a sporting thing you want to do. Whatever is, is fun and meaningful to you, put it in your calendar, and then it will probably get done. You know, another wow. thing you can do is do an act of kindness for a stranger or friend. Studies show that when you do an act of kindness for a stranger or friend, it could be as simple as saying a nice appreciation or, or an email that says thank you for something. That boosts your happiness level quite a bit. And it can, only, you know, it can be done in a minute or two, so that's a, a nice thing to do. And uh, a third thing I can describe really quickly is say an appreciation to someone or ask for a compliment from someone. You know, we don't ask for compliments and we don't give many compliments, but when you do say nice things or ask for a compliment, it gives a positive experience for both people. So that's something that you can do in, in a short period of time. You know, that makes sense because what we focus on changes our mood, it lifts our spirits or not. So if we're focusing on looking for what's good about somebody else to give them a compliment, we're looking for something positive. I like that. I like it a lot, Jonathan. Now, I read something that you wrote that really intrigued me. You said there are two basic approaches to finding happiness. The first approach is what you call the more money, more control method. Talk about that. Well, we we live in a a cult, you and I, called (laughs) American Culture. And in this culture, they teach you that the way to happiness is to have more money or more control or more shiny, bouncy hair so that you can get everything to be the way you want. And it sells a lot of stuff. The problem is it doesn't work very well for happiness because you can't control everything. And the way to real happiness is more of an inside job, learning how to tap into feelings of gratitude and peace and love and how to let go of negative feelings. But those things are never taught in this cult or this culture. So it's up to individuals to to research that or to find out how to do that. And luckily, there are easy ways to do that that are proven to be quite effective. So what are some of those ways? Because that business of trying to control everything truly takes us away from what's most important. We're always, I have a little term I use for that. I call, I call it looking good while feeling bad. Yeah, That's how yeah. most of us are functioning. That is how it is, and there's even an epidemic of depression in this country, and people are taking pills that don't do much in that, to help people when, you know, you look at kids, they can be happy a lot, and they don't have much control. So it's certainly possible, and having been a depressed teen and now being a very happy adult, I know that that change can happen pretty quickly if you know the right secrets. So here's another secret. Um, Learn how to let go of negative emotions more quickly. 
you know, kids do it. They, they get bummed out, they scream, they cry, and a minute later they're fine. And adults have to learn how to do that because they often hold on to neg- negative emotions. So one way of doing that is you can simply uh, hit your bed and have a temper tantrum. <laughs> uh, or, or, or I put on uh, like heavy metal music and hit my bed, and that gets out the feeling really quickly. Or you can sing and dance to a fun song, like I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. It's hard to feel negative when you're singing and dancing to I Want to Hold Your Hand. Well, I'm a big fan of gospel music, and I am sure that there's a gospel song like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, or something like that that would do it. That is so funny. So it's about getting it out and letting it go. I knew a couple once that had what they called their fight song. Uh They both had memorized all the words to the song, and the song was actually two singers, a man and a woman, who were indeed in a fight going back and forth in the song, and they would just sing the words, and you never come home on time, and you never give me that, (laughs) that, 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 that. And they would sing it, and then that was it. The fight was over. They'd sit down and figure it out. Yeah, you know, in in the Find Happiness Now book, I I give people 50 ways because I think different strokes are different folks. You know, one person might be too embarrassed to to hit their bed, but they might be able to uh, do a little one-minute meditation that allows them to let go of negative feelings. So you've got to find what works for you, and if you try different stuff, you will find something that then becomes like a friend for life. Yeah, and that is something most people do. They tend to hold on to the negative feeling and to ruminate on it and really get stuck. Why do you think that is, Jonathan? Why do we just want to nurse that wound? Well, it's been said that the human mind is kind of like uh, Velcro for negativity. It's a survival mechanism. That It used to be that the people who were most focused on what could happen that was negative survived, you know, because, it, it, you know, sometimes you'd see something uh, in the in the bushes, and the negative person would say, "Oh, it might be a tiger," and they'd run. Well, sometimes it was a tiger, and they had to run. But nowadays, we don't live with many people getting eaten by tigers. Yet we have a mind that continues to be afraid and paranoid and and expect the worst. And in fact, that starts to attract negative experiences into our life because, you know, when you're negative, uh, the whole world tends to be negative around you. Wow. So what's a remedy for a person who's stuck on that old loop, the negative thinking loop? Well, uh, one simple way, which I like and I use, is to ask a different question. In a way, the mind is always asking the following question. What could be the negative ramifications of what just happened? That's what the mind always says. You know, so somebody uh, calls you and, and says that, you know, the, the dinner date has to change. And you think, oh, God, I was looking forward to it, now I'm going to have a terrible evening. Well, here's a different question. What could potentially be good about this? What could be good about this? If you focus on that question and even come up with answers that you don't believe, it will at least focus you on that you never know how things are going to end. You know, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I was going to... Uh, go on a trip with a friend. At the last minute, I wasn't able to go. Well, I ended up the friend 
you know, wasn't a good friend, but somebody I knew, uh, went on this trip and ended up being in a serious auto accident. Well, the fact that I couldn't go at the time seemed like a real tragedy. But, you know, had I gone, I might have uh, had a, a bad case of whiplash like uh, my acquaintance now has. Wow. Wow. The other side of it is I've had the experience that I know you have and so have all of our listeners when something doesn't work out and something much better happens. I've had it so many times I've actually learned to go, okay, that didn't work. Okay, where's the next great thing that's coming? Is there yeah. really something there? Yeah, when one door closes, another opens. And, and, but it's hard to know that when it happens. So you have to actually have to ask a question like that that helps tune you in the right direction. Okay, so questions. Everybody got that? Ask questions that are going to point you in the right direction. Great. Keep going, Jonathan. You're batting a 1,000. We want to get as many of these wonderful tips as we possibly can. And one of the things that's also important, everybody, I forgot to say, is you can join the conversation. If you have a question for Jonathan, you can send it to Facebook, Twitter, uh, you can call us and talk to us live. Facebook is Dr. Brenda Wade, and so is our Twitter account, Dr. Brenda Wade. And please, if you would like to speak live to Jonathan and myself, you can call 347 776 That's 347-989-0776. And ask your question or make your comment, and we welcome those questions and comments, Cliff, our moderator, is standing by to pick up your questions, so do feel free. Now, one of the things that you also say, Jonathan, is that you give people the opportunity to define what a happy, meaningful life looks like. Why don't you wrap us up with that? Because you have a story about being in college when you learn that. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Well, you know, in college I had a roommate who was a great basketball player, and he was challenging me to a game of basketball, and I was a little shy to do that because I knew I'd get, you know, beaten. <laughs> so finally I said, I'll do it on one condition. I can bring out any uh, one-ounce gadget onto the court and place it wherever I want. So we go out to a basketball court, and I take out a blindfold, and I put it over his face. And then we play basketball. And <laughs> Very clever. Well, it was still pretty close because he was really good. <laughs> um, I beat one of the best basketball players in America because I knew exactly what I was aiming for. And if you know what you're aiming for, you'll light, you have more chance of hitting it. And, and in this culture, a lot of people define happiness as having more money. And then they get more money and they're – confused as to why they're not happy. I mean, look at Donald Trump. He does not look like a happy person. Oh, my God, please, please. I've worked with Donald on a number of shows, and I can assure you I wouldn't describe him as happy. Exactly. So you have to define happiness. Is it um, having deep love in your life? Is it having a lot of play in your life? Is it having free time? Is it having a certain amount of power? Is it having uh, vacations? Is it doing good stuff in the world and being of service? Is it a little bit of everything? How do you define that? 
And one way, as you mentioned at the start of the show, to define it is what would you do with just a few months left to live? Because what you would do with six months left to live tends to be what's most important to you. So I sometimes ask people to write that stuff down because then you know what really makes, makes your life meaningful. Hey there? I can't hear you. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. So glad you took the time to be with us. We have a quick question here that came in on Facebook. And the question is, I'm out of work right now. How can I be happy? Uh-huh. Well, it's a great question because really the way the mind works is it's always saying, I don't have X right now, so I can't be happy. As soon as I get the job, as soon as I get the relationship, as soon as I get the money, as soon as I get my house cleaned, as soon as I get the kids out of the house, then I'll be happy. But it's always something. So what I say is that try to be as happy as you can be now using methods that work for you or methods from my book, and that will actually attract good things into your life. You know, happiness... We're taught that success leads to happiness, but it's really the other way around, that happiness leads to success. Wow, that's powerful. Happy people make almost a million more dollars over the course of their life than unhappy people in the same jobs because you'd rather work with a happy person than an unhappy person. You'd rather be in a relationship with a happy person. You'd rather hire a happy person than an unhappy person. So... Never put off your happiness. Uh, Of course, you have to try and find a job. Have a good time looking for a job. It's possible. Not easy. I love what you said, though. The statistics are astonishing. Happy people making a million dollars more over their lifetime. And, of course, happy people have better relationships because who wants to be with a grouch? Yeah, yeah. So, Jonathan, what's your parting shot? We have to let you go. There's so much here. I know you and I could go on talking for another couple of days. And Find Happiness Now is a book. Everyone, please pick that up because you're going to be so happy that you did. Well, my parting thing is, one is I'd say uh, if people want free happiness tips, I have them on my website, which is findinghappiness.com. And I have 45 minutes of my favorite uh, happiness tips, audio, and various free articles that people can get. But, you know, one way to tune into happiness right now is to realize that you and I have a lot. You know, we have the Internet with all human knowledge there. We have cell phones where we can talk to anyone. We have free entertainment. We have uh, great air conditioning and heating when we need it. You hopefully have people in your life who care about you. As you start saying thank you for each of those things, you'll start to feel gratitude. And gratitude is really close to happiness. So I would encourage people to practice uh, what I call the thank you mantra. Say thank you for the the shower you have. Thank you for the toilet that you have. A lot of people don't have that. Thank you for the cell phone. Thank you for your pets. Thank you for the fact that you get radio shows like this. And if you feel gratitude and feel happy, good things will tend to be attracted to you. Well, I can't thank you enough, 
Jonathan Robinson, everyone, the author of Find Happiness Now. And yes, you can get to his website and learn more from this wise man at www.findinghappiness.com. Jonathan, thank you. It's so great to have you. And gratefulness is one of the most wonderful powers we can all use, and we can use it right now. And one little tip, go to gratefulness.org, everybody. One of our upcoming guests is going to be Chuck Ruppel, who is the chair of the board of gratefulness.org. And he's got a lot to say about the research on gratefulness. And we're going to let Jonathan Robinson go with our blessings. Have a great evening, Jonathan. Well, thank you, Brenda. Thanks for doing the show with so much useful information. Just a pleasure, absolute pleasure. All right, everyone, let's talk about a same-gender couple adopting a child. And it is so important for us to say, well, what does it mean to be a modern family? What is the definition of family? And it makes me think of a song that came out some time ago when the song was called uh, Color Him Father and figuring out what it really meant to be a father. So June is LGBT, lesbian, gay, bi, gen, excuse me, bisexual, transgender, pride month, LGBT month. And here's a shout out to all of the friends and loved ones in the LGBT community every day that show us that good love comes in all forms and expression and love in the face of a culture, we all know this, that has a lot of bias against LGBT people. And in the face of all that, our next guest caught our attention with their news-breaking interviews on the power of love and family. We're going to welcome in just a moment Juan Del Hierro and Thomas Gant, who are a gay Miami couple whose son Lucas inspired a revolutionary shift in their lives. We want to find out all about this wonderful family. So welcome, Juan and Tom. How are you? Great. Thank you for having us. Beautiful. Now let me get these voices. Say hello, Juan, so I can recognize your voice. This is me. Hi, me. And let's hear Tom. Hi. Good evening. This is Tom. Okay. Very distinctive voices. We'll be able to figure out who's who. So how did you (laughs) meet? (laughs) How did you two meet? We actually met over six years ago on a dating site, Um, and uh, we met there. We actually hung out and uh, spent some time together right before the holidays that year, Uh, and then we didn't see each other for over a month because I I work at a church, so I was pretty busy uh, during the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas time. Uh, But during that whole time, we got to speak on the phone quite a lot and got to know each other as friends. And on January 4th, we had our first real official date, um, and then the rest was our history. <laughs> Aw, so from that date, that was it, huh? So at what it. point did you recognize that this was true love? I just saw Maleficent, or Maleficent, I can never say it, Maleficent, true love. When did you recognize it? You know, um, I actually, during that time that Tom and I were speaking over the phone, um, I remember distinctly I was at the Seattle airport because I was on my way to visit my sister. And I told him, I said, you know, there's all this craziness of 
you know, having to think about the, the, the right thing to say. But if we were just considering being friends, I would have already told you that I am in love with you for the kind of person that you are. But because we think that this could lead to something else, I'm kind of having to, you know, just tone it back a little. (laughs) (laughs) I realize special um, happening between us. Okay, so I got to hear from you, Tom. What were you feeling and thinking? Well, I... I was uh, taken aback at first by all on energy and positivity and um, just willingness to express himself. But I found myself in those conversations, it was just one of those things where everything flowed so easily and naturally we would spend hours on the phone just talking. Um, even when he was traveling and we weren't seeing each other face to face, we got to know each other so well and, and the connection was just instantaneous for me well. Um, and then when we, you know, we finally had our first dates after the old conversations that we hadn't seen each other in so long, it just it seemed like we were old souls meant to be together. Mm. What a beautiful love story. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is so sweet. I'm going to get out my tissues, you guys. So then you got married. Now, this is in the middle of all of the drama and trauma around gay marriage. So how did that all work out? You know, actually, the really interesting thing is uh, back in 2000 and, well, we met in 2007. 2008, Florida actually, unfortunately, voted in an anti-same-gender uh, marriage amendment, an anti-equality amendment. Um, and I was actually very involved. I was one of the co-chairs of the grassroots uh, work being done in Miami-Dade County against the amendment. So even on our first date, uh, that January 4th, I remember when... Tom picked me up. I said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but halfway through our date, I got to get on a conference call with some people in California because we're trying to defeat this amendment and it's really important. So our relationship actually really um, has always had not only um, uh, the intention of being together as a couple and being married, but the whole debate about same-gender marriage and marriage equality has always been at the forefront of what we now, do. Now, for a lot of people who aren't clear on marriage equality, do everybody a favor and define why marriage equality is at the core of the fight for same-gender marriage. Because God knows I have been in the ring with a lot of people, including a lot of ministers, who were using the Bible as a reason to oppress same-gender couples, and, you know, I've I've had to say I'm an African-American woman, and there were many, many, many years in this country when African-Americans were not allowed to marry by law, and the Bible was used as a reason for those laws. So it's really hard for me to get behind the Bible being used as a reason to oppress somebody else. So talk to us about marriage equality. Well, I think um, the main thing about marriage equality for me is that it is, you know, it's not just something that happens between two individuals, um, but it's something that is a connection to the community. You know, you, you don't only just get married, you know, on your own. Usually you're in front of other people. You invite your friends and family because you're saying that this commitment, this relationship that you have, um, you want to um, hold it and you want to share it with the community. Um, and by that, you're actually saying that it's something beautiful that is meant to be shared, that is meant to be honored, 
Um, and feeling that from those that are sharing that with and the openness by which people can receive it um, also helps to just support that relationship and continuing to deepen. Um, so yes. I think it's a really important thing. And, and we actually got married at our church. Um, before we did it legally, we had to fly out to Washington, D.C. Um, to get legally married. But a few months before we did that, we actually got married at our church and had over 200 guests at a ceremony. Our two ministers married us. Our family was there um, supporting us, our friends and family. Uh, and it was a really beautiful experience, not only to be legally married, but also to have our faith um, and our spiritual community there supporting us. Yeah, and one of the things about marriage equality, so that people understand the legality of it, is that without marriage equality, even if a couple has been together here in San Francisco, a lot of people know of Dale Martin and Phyllis Lyons who have been together 60 years before they were allowed to get married. And what happened is that Dale was very, very ill, and Phyllis, who had been her partner for 60 years, didn't have the right, the automatic right, to make decisions that somebody, quote, legally married would be able to make. So there are a lot of reasons why, you know, there's another couple that was a big case here. Uh, They've been together forever. They had a business together. And when one partner passed away, his family swooped in and said they wanted their share of the inheritance and ordered his partner, who had been running the business with him, for many, many years to sell the business, and he ended up losing everything, losing the business, losing their home, because he couldn't support himself without the business they had started together. So there are a lot of reasons why we have to be aware that marriage equality is important. No one should be penalized for falling in love and wanting to make a life and a family. Now tell us, we're all itching to know about the process of your adoption. Well, we, uh, this is Tom. We started looking um, into adoption. Oh, by the way, let me say this, you guys. I'm, forgive me. I forgot to tell people if you have questions for Juan or Tom, please Facebook us, Dr. Brenda Wade, or tweet us, Dr. Brenda Wade, or just use your telephone and talk to us. The number that you can call and you can talk to us live right now is 347-989-0776. Okay, sorry about that. Wanted to get that in so people can talk to us. Go right ahead. Definitely. Uh, so uh, we started looking into the process of you know, growing a family and becoming parents. And, and so we looked at different options. We looked at surrogacy, private adoption, and everything led us into the direction to go with a public adoption. So we worked with a wonderful agency, a public county agency in Miami-Dade County, and um, we went through the required work, the training, the health, the, everything that they required, and that, that was in January uh, two years ago. And we started getting notifications from them about possible children that needed a home, and that was in late November and early December, and they called us. On a Thursday, we went to the hospital. We met Lucas on Friday, and then um, he came home with us. The court gave us custody, temporary custody until the 
adoption be finalized later, um, and he came home just that Monday. And um, he weighed a little, over, a little under six pounds, and uh, it was the most amazing experience that we've ever been through. Wow. That's amazing. So it went really fast because so often we hear of adoption stories where it takes forever. So you didn't go Yeah, I think, I think the key was that in, in your previous special guest, you know, he talked about just being open to what is out there. And we were open and receptive. We, we said we would take a child, you know, under five years of age. Um, race didn't matter, gender. We just wanted a, a child. And I think because we were so open, the agency was very open, too. And in the, any situation that arose, they kept us really notified of. Um, and so we, you know, we kind of say yes or no when we met Lucas when he was born. Oh, that is wonderful. Congratulations. How old is he now? And tell us about the journey of parenting. <laughs> uh, well, he is now 18 months old, um, and it's just been um, really, really amazing. I'm really grateful to have heard the beginning part of the show where we were getting, getting two-minute uh, <laughs> uh, activity uh, because, you know, we, there is definitely the issue of time when you have an 18-month-old that requires your attention. But uh, it's just been really, really wonderful um, to be able to have been with Lucas at such an early age. He was five days old when we met him. Um, And to just experience him becoming his own individual and and just grasping everything that's around him and uh, things being new to him and, and through that experience, things being new to us for the first time, um, it's just been really, really, really beautiful. And um, you have a lot of those moments that you just, without even realizing, you know, being conscious of it, you're just saying, thank you, God, or, you know, thank you for this wonderful experience of love that we're sharing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely the more challenging times. <laughs> so, yeah, tell I mean, us about the challenging times. Well, um, I will say that I'm very grateful to Tom uh, because to wake up around 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> and not go back to bed until about 5.30. And, and I very lovingly told Tom that I had to get up for work the next day and I was going to just leave them alone in the living room while I went back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm guessing that if you wake up tonight, we're going to have to switch. Uh, uh. Because even, even that, I mean, even, even those moments where it's challenging, the fact that, you know... Um, this individual, this little person, this baby um, needs you, you know, especially in those challenging moments. It's when they're calling the greatest part of you forth to come out and support them in whatever they're going through, you know? Yes, yes. I love that you said that, you know, here in our Love, Money, and Save Academy where we do all of our seminars, we have on the wall a plaque that we inherited from an agency that used to be upstairs from us, the Black Coalition on AIDS, and it says family. And one of the things it says is, remember, children bring us up instead of the Mm. other way around. So I think that's exactly what you're saying, is that Lucas is bringing you up. And isn't that the gift, the greatest gift of love, whether it's your good love partnership that the two of you have clearly worked to create, or whether it's the love you have for your child, you have to grow to hold that love. 
to grow to show up as your best self in a relationship of any kind, right? Definitely. So you know, we've been very yeah, go grateful. ahead. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I think um, one of the keys for us has been that, um, you know, we were already on our individual journeys. We were already in our, um, you know, we were trying to be uh, more conscious, you know, and much more aware of who we were individually. And so um, we've allowed ourselves to continue, you know, our individual journeys, but also the joint journey together. Um, and then now with Lucas, it's, you know, it's just another way of experiencing a deeper sense of that journey. Mm, so when you say on your journey, you mean your journey of personal growth and transformation, I take it. Yeah, I, I belong to um, the Unity Movement. I actually work at the church. I'm the Director of Ministry Empowerment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, by the time I met Tom, I had already been going to uh, Unity, which is a, it's a positive path uh, for living. And uh, I was already, I was already headed, you know, I was already in there. I was already learning about, you know, undoing some of those things that are in my subconscious, being more open to love, being more open to the divine wisdom that can express through me. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things that I thought was so fun and great was that when I went to Tom's house for the first time, um, he had just read The Secret, and he had a little board with all the different things that he was looking for in a partner, you know. Oh, so you had to go up. over there and go check, 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 check. I've got those. <laughs> we're, we're still working on the abs. That <laughs> <laughs> he did not have abs on the board. I Come did on. not. I had a sense of humor. That was at the top, and I think I definitely uh, got that. That is funny. Well, one of the things for all the single people out there looking for love, let me say this. The key to manifesting the love you want is, yes, you want a board and you want to be intentional, but the most important thing, and I think this is where Tom and Juan are headed, is to be ready and open, to have done your own inner work. It is impossible. We've had a number of guests on this show I dare you to download some of the other shows we've done on love, everybody. You're going to hear over and over and over our wisdom teachers talk about being ready yourself and that it requires clearing up the places you're stuck, clearing up the lack of self-love or self-esteem. That's why we have our mantra on our program. So what's been the greatest gift for you as a couple knowing that and I know that you've had special challenges you've had to meet as a same-gender couple. Well, you know, you're talking about our journey as a couple. Lucas has really brought us um, recently to make a big, try to make a big difference in our community. We are in part of a law to challenge the marriage, marriage uh, inequality laws in the state of Florida with um, eight other plaintiff couples. We're working with the ACLU and our court cases uh, pending this summer. And Safe Day, which is our, our biggest gay rights advocate organization in South Florida. And so I don't think we would have been as aggressive or wanting to make this change in society and in our state if it wasn't for our son. So I think it really, being a parent made us want to change the world to be a better world for him to grow up in, not just for us. 
for him to say that, yeah, his dads are important, they're a couple, um, and, and, and it's significant. So I think in 16 years, he's a teenager, things will be a lot different, and I think hopefully we'll have been a part of that change. Well, we can only hope that we are developing a world now where every human being can be loved and valued and appreciated as a unique manifestation, I believe, of the divine, that every one of us has value. So if you were giving advice to, to not only to couples who want to adopt, but maybe an individual who wants to adopt, what would you advise? Because that is still one of the biggest challenges is to go through this process, and it sounds like it was a breeze, for you, but a lot of people really struggle with adoption. Yeah, um, actually, uh, just to put it all out there, our lawyer <laughs> uh, for the adoption, you know, kind of told us they said too much because it's it's pretty rare for it to be just as easy as it was. So, you know, make sure that you let people know that it it is going to be some time. It may take a little bit longer sometimes than you really want, and there may be some challenges that come up. Uh, the great thing is to just, what I would say is just to keep focused of what you're really looking for, which is to just have your heart open um, to whatever the universe is going to provide to you, um, whether it's a boy, a girl, um, any race, any, any, any other things that may come up. Just if you are very open um, and you are very clear that what you really want to do is regardless of the child, is just offer love and grow your family and, and have somebody there um, that you are going to be able to support in their life, um, I think that things will just fall into place. And even when they don't fall into place, um, things will clear up as long as you keep that, um, you know, focus of it being about love and of you giving love rather than even just you receiving love. Mm. Okay, and we have a question that just came in via Facebook. All right, how is your son going to? Okay, let me see if I can. How is your son going to feel when he is in school and he has two dads? How will you face that? Well, it's interesting. I I'm a teacher, and I've worked in for the last 15 years, and I've seen a huge change in just the the parents that that of students that I've taught. Um, 15 years ago, I I could have mentioned a, a child that had same gender parents, sex parents, um, but it became more and more common over the last five, six years, and I see that these kids are thriving in school. Um, most students, that's not even an issue for them. It's kind of funny because by high school, by having two parents that are still together, it's kind of the abnormality. It's kind of sad that a lot of kids come from divorced homes, things like that. So I, I think, you know, for him, things will be a little bit different. Um, you know, and obviously we live in a city where Miami has more diversity, it's a little more open than maybe some other cities, and I'm sure we're going to have those challenges, but I think if, if we just are always honest and truthful in, in explaining that to him and, and the school think everything's going to work out eventually. And I think, I think one of the things also that I had to recognize for myself as a gay man um, where I – you know, see discrimination, I, I know discrimination based on the person that I'm in love with, um, is that, yes, we can, you know, we can acknowledge that we're not the same, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm whole 
and perfect and loving and that I'm a child of God. Um, and so we instill that in the son, which is what we're really working to do, that regardless of the way in which people may discriminate against him for having gay parents or may um, have, you know, any challenges that may arise, that's taken away from the fact that he is whole and that he is uh, a person that is a value regardless of the situation. And I yeah. think that gives him that strength to face any challenges, um, whether we're there to support it or not. Yeah, and that's something that it doesn't matter if you are gay or straight, black or white, Asian, Hispanic, of whatever race, gender, sexual orientation, being in a positive place with yourself helps. And everybody who is coming from a background as a person of color faces a certain level of discrimination. We're still healing some of those historical wounds that exist in America. And it is very important for all of us to be conscious. And we have extraordinarily low marriage rates and high divorce rates in communities of color. And I'm waiting to see the stats roll in for LGBT marriages now that we finally have marriage equality laws in a number of states. It's going to be interesting because it's going to take that extra bit of consciousness and work. And I think what you're talking about is the key. It's a spiritual awakening. It's spiritual work that helps us to transcend whatever challenges are there in our lives. Yeah. So for you, if you were going to say this is the spiritual truth that has helped me the most, I love what you said about knowing that you are whole, complete, and already good enough because you are a child of God and teaching that to Lucas, what else would you say to people? Because there are a lot of people of whatever race and whatever sexual orientation listening. What's your best spiritual advice? Because I really get you're both deeply spiritual people. Wow. The one thing I would say, you know, that that spirit of God, all the things that God is, is within you, and you can um, always, become aware of how connected you are to it. And so all those things that you look to God for, strength, love, peace, joy, uh, wisdom, guidance, um, that it's just, you know, a breath away, it's a heartbeat away, and to trust themselves and know that they, that it is within them. Hmm. Beautiful. Thank you, Juan. What would you say, Tom? I. Yeah, on that note, I, I would just say ditto. He, he put it in words that I, I couldn't even express. Uh, I, I would say just be authentic with who you are and, and know that, you know, the, the spirit of the universe will flow through you and, and manifest everything that you need to be a whole and person. Wow, I love it that you said authentic. One of the things that I teach in our seminars and in our mastermind program is what I call the alive model. And the A in that mnemonic, alive, stands for authentic. Hmm. That we always have to, to be fully alive, come from being our authentic selves. Of course, the L is for love, the I is for insight, the V for victory, and that E is for energy, keeping our energy tuned. So thank you so much, Juan and Tom. 
And blessings to you and little Lucas. And may you have a beautiful, beautiful unfolding as a married couple, as a family, and as parents. And might I also, <laughs> might I also wish that you'll get some sleep tonight. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks thank for having so us much. on your show. What yeah. an absolute Wonderful. pleasure. Thank you very much. And blessings on your victory. We're going to claim the victory in advance that <laughs> all families and all couples will have marriage equality. It is very important that our communities are all strong and healthy. And that's a big part Beautiful. of it. Thank you Thank so much. You. Right. Everybody stay right there because I want to let you know that if you are interested in living a life of outrageous abundance and fulfillment, if you are ready to let go of struggles with money or love, we have a two-day live intensive for you, and I invite you to join us. If you are a member of our Good Love listening community, all you have to do is put in the keywords Good Love and send us a little email saying, yes, register me for the two-day love and abundance and outrageous abundance class. And now let me get that straight. It's the Outrageous Abundance and Fulfillment class. It's July 19th and 20th. It's right here in our Good Love Academy. We'd love to have you. We have two incredible special guests. You'll get to hear from Bruce Cryer, who was the CEO and one of the founders of HeartMath. He's been teaching and training people all over the world for 30 years. He'll be live and in person in our classroom. And Skyping in from Atlanta, we will have Phyllis Newhouse. Now, she has been in Forbes magazine twice already this year, might be three times, and Ms. Newhouse grew her business in a so-called down economy using principles that are going to make your head spin. And she is really a wonderful person, as is Bruce. Please join us, and when you say you're part of our Good Love community, you will receive the class on a complimentary basis. Now, how good is that as an offer? So we're thrilled to have you look forward to more classes coming in the future. And on Good Love Radio, upcoming guests will be Thomas Gagliano, who wrote the book, The Problem Was Me, Secrets of Neuroscience and Love. And we're going to get to hear from Ms. Phyllis Newhouse as our guest. She's going to talk about the science of getting rich. And Dr. L.B. Wish is going to talk about sex, money, and breakups. So stay tuned. We want to say thank you to our wonderful producer, LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Cliff Dunning, to all of you, our good love audience, and we say blessings to all of you till next week, whether you're listening live or via recording. Blessings. Oh, and you can reach us at loveatdogway.com.